Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. All right, guys, welcome in here. It is another edition of the Early Line on the Grid. It is SportsGrid.com. Joe Ranieri alongside Dane Martinez here as we get ready for draft week. That is right, a couple of days away from the NFL draft. Going to take center stage, and we're excited. I know Dane and I are excited. We're excited here at the Grid also to come to you live uh, beginning at 8 p.m. there on Thursday night as uh, many of us uh, will be keeping an eye on our favorite teams and seeing which direction that they go. I can't wait to see this from a production standpoint, Dane. I can't wait to see how much craziness happens here. I still, a big part of me thinks this is going to be very chalky uh, as far as teams go. In other words, I don't know that a lot of teams are going to be in GMs are willing to push all their chips into the table and go outside the box or make a crazy move like we've seen for, I don't know, Ricky Williams back in the day where they traded everything. I don't know that we're going to see that. I do think if it's going to go that direction where it's like, I give up, I don't know what the hell's going on here. It's going to happen, I think, early in this draft, Dane. I think the earlier, the top five picks, will by the time the Dolphins choose, that will tell us everything we need to know about how this draft is going to go. If pandemonium hits, it hits in the first five. If it remains chalky, then I think it's going to be one boring ass, just pick whoever's the best one on the board and move on. Yeah, and you know what's interesting, and we've talked about this, right, how this year, given the crisis that we are in and given the opportunity that schools didn't have pro days, you know, physicals didn't necessarily happen, we talked at first about what that means to the risk of the GM reputation. And what you're talking about, I think, is part of the same thing, Joe, right? Like, I I agree with you, they may be... Fewer trades, not only because of the damn technical Wi-Fi aspect of it. You may not be able to conduct it in the 15 minutes that you have or the 10 minutes that you have. But the other thing is, listen, Joe, by definition, a GM that, like, trades up or trades down puts themselves more in the spotlight, puts their own decision, you know, out there, right? And and it's kind of putting more – it's making it a higher-stakes decision. And as we've seen, you know, in this year, GMs are not necessarily going to want to kind of, you know, plant the flag nope. with some of this, as we've been talking about, with incomplete information. So I am with you, Joe. You know, we were talking about would, you know, the Lions at three, the Giants at four, would they be trading out? Would teams want to leapfrog, you know, maybe Miami or other quarterback needy teams? Uh, we heard reports about Atlanta wanting to move up for a cornerback. Now, those things may happen, but that will put, for example, if Atlanta does move up. Right. Right. Just at the cornerback, we're hearing Henderson potentially, right? That puts Dimitrov more in the line of fire, right? Because then it's either going to work or it ain't. And I think GMs are a little bit hesitant this year to put their own reputations on the line, like I said, with incomplete information. So it may just kind of flow pick by pick by pick without the preponderance of trades that we have seen in previous years. I Listen, I, uh, I agree with you. I, I think there is... There's going to be hesitation with some right. on, on doing that. I think others might who might be inclined to make a make a move. Um, I, I just don't know that they're going to do it given the circumstances. And also, I mean, you, you know, when you look at this, Dane, this whole draft process, it's going to be fascinating to me since we have no idea when these kids are going to be able to actually get acclimated yeah. to their new teammates, to their new life. I mean, basically, you're talking about kids who went – to college, you know, for three or four years, yeah. who have no idea. I mean, now you're talking about going from being a kid, basically. Now you're a grown-ass man. Now you're an adult. And what's always helped them is their ability is to, right after the draft, go to, like, the Rookie Symposium. Oh. And Herm Edwards used you're to speak Herm. there. You know, find the fall guy. We all remember the audio. Um, and then eventually, oh. over the summer, be able to get acclimated into camp. But this could very well turn out to be a year, guys, where all of these these 19, 20, 21-year-olds, the first time they're going to get on the field with their new teammates and their new life might might be just before they got to start playing some games, which I think is going to put a lot of these guys behind the eight ball. I don't think it's fair, but it's also a reality, Dane, which I will continue to say. Unders, to me, are going to yeah. have a huge value win total-wise 
because they're not going to be able to hit the field, let's say, Dane, until August. You're planning on starting the season in September, then you're looking at new teammates, new blood, important factors, new teammates, Tom Brady, everyone else. It's all new, and you know what? It's not going to get any easier. So I'm going to be looking a lot at these under totals moving forward. Yeah, I think it's going to be very interesting this year. You know, Joe, uh, the idea that the NFL has still been like in session is we've seen the business of the NFL being conducted, right, Joe? You know, like we've seen free agency being like being signed. We've seen draft buzz and, you know, rumors and reports. But after the draft, if you think about it, in a normal year, the next thing on the NFL calendar is, right, like rookie symposiums, rookie right. mini camps, OTAs. Those are things, Joe, where people got to come together. Okay, so the NFL, as soon as this draft is over, the NFL is in the same exact boat as the NBA, as Major League Baseball, as MLS, or anything else. They have to figure out, are they going to allow people to congregate, gather, practice, whether it's, you know, Tom Brady bringing his boys onto the beach in California for the passing camp or whatever it is. That's the part then that the NFL will be dealing with the same as every other sport. So I find it interesting, Joe, that in free agency, and we've talked about this, how many players have gone to a place where they had some level of familiarity, mm. right? Scheme or with the coaching staff. Think about Philip Rivers to Indianapolis with Frank Wright. Think about Teddy Bridgewater goes to Carolina where he had experience with Joe Brady, right? Think about Robbie Anderson going, oh, where he had his former college head coach. Kyle Allen gets traded for in Washington to reunite with his former head coach, Ron Rivera. So I think, yeah, they're not going to be able to come together for the OTAs and the practice. And that's going to put not only, you know, anything that's new, whether it's a new team for a free agent or a draft rookie, it's going to put them behind the eight ball in terms of getting the reps in and getting the studying they need to do to hit the ground running. So yeah, unders sound right to me, Joe. Yeah, I, and listen, it's not any, it's not their fault, these kids, but at the same time, it's like, if you can't meet your teammates and you can't practice and if even if you're a veteran and you are now for the first time having new wide receivers or new linemen blocking for you like all of this takes time to put together and time usually means the month of september dane when they start the season we could be looking at those first four to six games really as an extension of what uh you know what what it should have been in the preseason and for a lot of teams so that could mean a couple of maybe a couple extra wins for a team here or there that probably doesn't deserve the win or it could mean that there's going to be a few teams that have been really overhyped and the expectations for them they're just not going to live up to it there's just no way they can it's so unique in the ability of not being able to get on the field with these guys until who knows when at this point Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, okay, you could study as much as you want, right? Mm -hmm. You could have virtual meetings as much as you want. But when it gets to OTAs and coaches, whether they're new or old, are installing the offense or the defense, that's when you have to actually have those reps with your teammates. You know, so much of football these days is built on chemistry. If you're an offensive lineman, you have to be in sync with the rest of the offensive linemen, especially, Joe, as you know, and in kind of zone blocking scheme, right? If you're on the defensive line and you think about how to coordinate, you know, blitzes and stunts, you have to understand what your teammates like to do best. If you are a quarterback wide receiver combo and you're new because of a signing or a draft, you know, this idea of reading hand signals or hot routes or back shoulder fades, these are things that are built up over time with chemistry. Those are the opportunities that players, whether you're a rookie or a new free agent signing, you're not going to necessarily have. That is going to be delayed. So I truly do agree with you, Joe. And teams that kind of have that consistency just can kind of keep it going, I think may come out of the gate running a little bit better than those teams that are start, still trying to build that familiarity. Yeah, and of course, listen, you're going to have some teams that uh, this is where having a veteran-laden team may come into uh, to play here yeah. uh, with uh, across the board with a lot of places. And, uh, you know, the draft is going to be interesting from the standpoint, Dane, of uh, we really get a chance to see, and, and maybe even more so because there's nothing else going on, so we'll have a, a chance to pay attention to it. But all of the misdirection and all the smoke that we are hearing, it's going to be fascinating to see Uh, Which ones were somewhat right? Which ones were right? Which ones were way off? And I don't know about this one uh, that that has come out here. Uh, You in New York, how much have you heard about the Giants who 
new head coach, new situation there. Uh, spending all this time apparently vetting and getting to know Justin Herbert. Uh, it's not like we haven't seen this before, too. Obviously, uh, Josh Rosen knows it all too well how a team spends the number one draft pick on him one year, and the following year they spend another draft pick on another quarterback. So I don't necessarily know that that's what it's going to be, but I find it fascinating that this is being leaked out. And if it is true, why are the Giants spending so much time talking to Justin Herbert? Yeah, so, I mean, the first question you asked is, do I, you know, do I put stock in it or do I believe in it? The answer is no, Joe. Mm. This makes absolutely no sense to me. You talked that there is precedent, and yes, Arizona moved on from, you know, Josh Rosen after picking him number one, and yes, there was a new head coach, right? But it was such a kind of scheme fit, and they went to get, you know, at number one, right. who was more of a kind of, like, blue-chip lock in Kyla Murray than what we're hearing about Justin Herbert. And here's the other thing. Joe, you and I both know this. GMs don't like to admit that they were ever wrong. You know, we've said this. If you if you get it wrong in the top 10 of a draft, how it kicks your franchise back for years, part of the reason is because teams and GMs are slow to kind of accept that they finally got it wrong. Think about the Jaguars and Blake Bortles. You and I both knew he was not a franchise quarterback years before the Jacksonville Jaguars ever actually accepted that, right? So I don't think Gettleman would go with the quarterback because by definition, that would be admitting that he got something wrong uh, with the number six pick last year and, and kind of prove all the people who are hating and making jokes of him mm -hmm. a, year, a year ago at this time, right? But the thing is, Joe, Gettleman was kind of right. I mean, Daniel Jones had a decent rookie year. Certainly the prospects for Daniel Jones right now are higher than the prospects for Dwayne Haskins, who many people thought the Giants should take if they were going to go quarterback. And I, I just don't think that that is actually a need for the New York football Giants. Daniel Jones performed relatively well in his rookie season, a rookie season where he didn't have Saquon Barkley as his running back for some of those games. And I, I'll tell you from a fantasy standpoint, Joe, there were a few weeks where Daniel Jones put up weak winning stats for fantasy players. Pretty much he had, you know, as many huge weeks as any other quarterback in the NFL. So because I don't think Gettleman would admit fault, and because Daniel Jones did just fine as a rookie, I think there's no reason the Giants should be wasting any time or energy previewing the top-end quarterbacks. And here's the thing, Joe. The books agree. If you look at our friends on FanDuel, they're hanging props of, like, what position will the Giants take? And it's at the O-line as the favorite, followed by linebacker. If you want to actually, you know, believe and put stock in this rumor, you can get 29-1 to 1 that the Giants will actually go quarterback for me on the bs smokescreen uh kind of radar this is high i think this is bull i think this is just a smokescreen i don't believe it joe it's uh it's fascinating from the standpoint that maybe just maybe it's because the giants would like a lot of teams to know that hey uh we're talking to them so if you want them maybe it's the opportunity to come up here and uh and go get them so it, it'll be again and that's why i said originally it'll be fun to watch after this draft, especially the first round is over, Dane, to try to get a handle on, you know, where there was smoke, you know, was there fire kind of thing, and uh, to right. see who was the puppets, who weren't the puppets, that kind of thing there. Uh, it is going to be very interesting, even, and it's going to get crazier as we get closer to Thursday night. So, you know, a couple more days here, and it's oh, sure. who knows what we are going to hear, and who knows whether or not we're going to have a possible trade or not. I mean, I got to ask you, there is uh, a lot of questions surrounding uh, Andy Dalton and whether or not Andy Dalton is still going to be on the Cincinnati Bengals uh, by this weekend, in fact. And while we haven't had a lot of talk about him at, at this particular point, he is still under contract, obviously, one more year. But I got to believe, unless he somehow says, you know what, I'd be very happy just kind of sitting here for the next couple of years and helping groom Joe Burrow, which, hey, more power to him. But if there is a competitive bone in his body where he's like, you know what, I want a place where I can start, you're not going to start uh, ever in that opportunity unless Burrow gets hurt. You're not going to be given that kind of chance. But if he does want that kind of opportunity, not being handed anything, but wants to be able to compete, uh, he can force his way out of Cincinnati. And if that's the case – it's going to happen sooner rather than later. Or, you know what? Wouldn't it be better for everyone if he decides one of those? Like, listen, you want to be with us? Here's your role. If you don't, 
we'll figure yeah. out a way to get you the hell out of here. Yeah, I mean, you know, the Andy Dalton market is pretty interesting, right? Because everyone thought he was going to be traded like last year right. when they decided to go to Ryan Finley and kind of see what they had in the kids. But I think the market has really changed for Andy Dalton, uh, Joe. And I think part of that reason is because you now also have Cam Newton, you have Jameis Winston and others who may be uh, more desirable for teams, right, to fill that kind of short-term bridge or that one-year prove-it starter or whatever you want to call that. You know, there just aren't as many open chairs, Joe, when it comes down to it. So if you think about what teams are still really in the market for a true starter, I can't think of any that don't seem to be addressing it in the draft, right? We know about Miami and everything connects them to a quarterback at number five. Even now with the Chargers, we're hearing reports of how much they like Terod Taylor. Right. Right. Even in New England, we're hearing reports of how much they like Jared Stidham. Right. Even in Jacksonville, we're hearing, listen, if Leonard Fournette thinks that Minshew ain't the man, he's now on the trading block. So the idea of where the opportunities are for Andy Dalton as a starting quarterback in this league are sort of evaporating mm. week by week. And so, if of course, that horizon, Joe, I'd rather be the backup where I know or competing against the rookie with the devil I know as opposed to the devil I don't. Yep. I truly believe that Cam Newton and James Winston being part of this market has severely changed the calculation for Andy Dalton. And to be quite honest, we see this all the time, Joe. You know, Eli Manning just last year, right, was the incumbent who passed the baton to Daniel Jones. We see this in a lot of places. I would not be surprised if Andy Dalton winds up staying with Cincy and becoming more of that mentor role, that bridge role there for Joe Burrow. And then, you know, he could still uh, not have to pay for dinner in the, in the city of Cincinnati. Yeah, yeah a lot of ch – it's going to be I, – listen, I like Andy, and I, I wish him the best, man. I think, uh, you know, he was – Starting opportunities for him. Yeah, though. exactly. Uh, you know, and Jameis and Cam. So, a lot still going on here. And, of course, uh, Dane and I, uh, we got no problem uh, covering it all for you here as the countdown to the draft has begun here on the early line. And coming up. Uh, we'll dive into uh, some of these uh, some of these guarantees, and I, you know I love guarantees in uh, in betting, Dane. But some of the names, Dane, that we will guarantee will Ooh. be first round picks. We don't guarantee a lot here, but we can guarantee you there's certain position groups that are bound to be off the board in the first round. We'll talk about some of those. We'll do it coming up next here on the grid. It is SportsGrid.com. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, welcome back in here, guys. It is the early line on the grid, SportsGrid.com. Joe Ranieri alongside Dane Martinez here as uh, it is draft week. That is right. The ability for teams to give uh, fan bases hope in uh, in the future, unless of course you're like Jet fans, like Dan and I. At which particular point, this is usually always our favorite time of year because this is when we have the most hope uh, that the Jets are going to go rattle off 10, 11, 12 wins and take down <laughs> the Patriots. And uh, you know we, we've been waiting a long time for the Tom Brady uh, getting out of uh, New England, and we've got it. And yet, um, we are basically looking forward to a number 11 draft pick, and uh, we'll have high hopes there, uh, which is, shows you how sad it is for New York Jet fans. Uh, but, Dane, you know, there are a couple of – we don't deal in uh, guarantees, of course, in uh, sports betting. It's not what we do. Uh, we just try to make uh, the most educated decisions that we can and find the best value. If we win, we win. If we don't, you're certainly not going to win them yeah. all. Uh, but I got to tell you, I do think there are going to be a couple of uh, guarantees here in this draft come the first round. Okay. And I think when you look at uh, positional talent, and, and of course, we'll start with quarterback. Sure. Uh, in the first round, I think it would, it would be very 
hard for me not to think that at least four quarterbacks are going to be taken in the first round. Burrow, Tua, Herbert, and Jordan Love. Right. Um, I, to me, I, I would I'd go out there and stamp the approval and say in the quarterback position, we're going to have those four guys off the board come Friday, day two. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, and the books would seem to indicate that as well, right? We've talked for a while, Joe, mm-hmm. about how the books are hanging four and a half as the prop bet for the number of quarterbacks to go. I think everyone assumes that Burrow, Herbert, and Tua will absolutely go. Jordan Love has been something of a moving target. We've heard some reports that he's got, like, the best skill set in the draft. I've heard him compared to people like Patrick Mahomes, which mm-hmm. seems a little lofty on the other right. side. We've also heard reports that maybe he is a day-two pick. I think he will be the fourth quarterback taken, and he will go in the first round. And Joe, over on FanDuel, the prop bet for his where he is selected is pick 19 and a half. Wow. So I think that's interesting. The Raiders are at 19. They've been some team that's talked about maybe they're not done at the quarterback position. But... With the total at 19 and a half, it would seem to think that he will go somewhere in the first round, whether it be at that level or a team kind of like trading back into the back end of the first round to go get him. Then you think about the other quarterbacks that have been batted around. I'm talking about names like Jacob Eason, uh, Jake Fromm, Jalen Hurts, and their prop bets, Joe, um, are, you know, kind of in the middle of the second round in terms of where they'll be selected. So I think the number is four. No surprise that four and a half is the prop bet. I would go under. I think four will ultimately be taken, Joe. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, we don't like locks, but I think we can lock it in that in the quarterbacks in round one, guys, on Thursday night, expect four of them to be off the board. Uh, let's go to wide receiver, Dan. And again, sure. one of the most deep and, uh, and talented uh, wide receiver draft classes that we have seen in a long time. Well, the question is, how many can we lock in to guarantee will be off the board in the first round? And I can tell you this. I'll give you four names that I think are guaranteed to be off the board and not available in round two. Uh, sure. C.D. Lamb. Yep. Jerry Judy. Yep. Henry Ruggs. Yep. Justin Jefferson. Yes. I think those four, without a doubt, are locks to be off the board come day two. Now, there's a number of other guys in between there that uh, certainly as you get to. The other problem is once you get to the bottom of the first round, guys, there's yeah. always going to be a run on the edge rushers, offensive linemen, so they can bulk up and get some depth on teams. Right. I do think the majority of wide receivers – are going to go in the second round in day two, Dane. I think that's where you're going to see the ball jump going. But I'm willing to lock in C.D. Lamb, Jerry Judy, uh, Ruggs, and Justin Jefferson as the four locks at the wide receiver position. I agree with you, Joe. And for just for future reference and further reference, right, those are the four wide receivers that um, FanDuel has dropped. Uh, props on in terms on. of their pick. Right. And they are all in the first round, okay? However, it's interesting to note that uh, the total number of wide receivers who go in the first round, which is another prop bet that our friends at FanDuel are offering, is at six and a half, Joe. Wow. Okay. So, and here's what I think happens, all right? And, and we've discussed this a little bit. You talked about those four that are at the top, right? But There are so many other wide receivers. I can think of another four or five Mm -hmm. just off the top of my head who, you know, some teams may be interested in at that level, right? But we don't know which one, though, right? Right. Could it be a Chenault? Maybe. Could it be a Mims? Maybe. Could it be a Rager? Maybe, right? So for any individual wide receiver, we don't know if that's going to be the type of wideout that a team wants. But as I look, you know, and, and, and here's what I'll also say, Joe, the Eagles... At number 21, Mm -hmm. a lot of people think they're going wide receiver. I count me among them, right? So that might be the fourth, okay? So then I look at teams that are lower than the Eagles in the first round. Mm -hmm. They have a need at wide receiver. We talk about Minnesota, who has, I believe, 22 and 25. Yep. Just traded away Stefan Diggs. That could be a place. I've also heard Green Bay as a place that may want to go wide receiver. Um, so those are another two teams. That gets me to six, 
right where where that six and a half prop bet could be. So outside of those top guys, I would look to see if Minnesota goes wide receiver, to see if Green Bay goes wide receiver. The problem is, Joe, because there are so many who have a pretty good draft mm. grade, maybe those teams decide, oh, let me prioritize the edge rusher. Let me prioritize the offensive lineman that's still on the board in a top tier and think that they can get that kind of value at wide receiver later in the draft in the second or third round. That would be my cause for pause. I think there is a talented wide receiver class, but when you play the supply and demand game, some of those teams in the back end of the first round may choose to prioritize other positions of need. Yep. I think there's... Um... You can guarantee the first four. The question is, the other guys, uh, it really depends on how a lot of the other part of the draft uh, goes uh, and who might still be left on the board. Uh, but again, when you're talking about logs and guarantees, those four guys are mentioned in just about everybody's mock drafts, and that's usually in the first 20 picks. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with the with the bottom 12. And it's the same thing with the offensive linemen. I mean, if we're going to lock guys in here to uh, and guarantee you first-round status, uh, I, I think there's going to be a, a ton of offensive linemen drafted. Uh, in the first round, we can guarantee you those four guys, the big names guys, Wirfs, Thomas, uh, Wills, and Becton, they're guaranteed. And they're probably guaranteed, I would say, even in the first 15 they're probably off the board. Now, there are a couple of other guys, obviously, that are out there. Austin yeah. Jackson, Ezra Cleveland. Yep. There's a number of different guys available also that I think at the bottom of the first round uh, have a really good shot of going off the board. But again, we're talking about guarantees and locks here. And the only thing I can see, Dane, is outside of those four, uh, nothing else is a lock or a guarantee. I'll throw Austin Jackson in there. Mm -hmm. I'll be willing to bet. If you want to make a side bet, Joe, I'll take that Austin Jackson goes in the first round. You know, so I would consider it five. And then you mentioned guys like Ezra Cleveland, mm -hmm. Josh Jones out of Houston may also hear their name called. The one thing I'll throw out there, although ultimately I do agree with you, Joe, and we talked about it, you know, late last week over the weekend, Makai Becton had his drug test flagged. Yeah. Okay. And so listen. I don't know if that means he will fall. Every team will make an individual decision, right, if they're still staring at his name on the board to make that uh, pick. But And I do think he'll still ultimately be a first-round pick. But I do want to put that out there, right? His drug test was flagged, mm -hmm. and so maybe he falls. I don't think he falls out of the first round. I'd be willing to bet at least five tackles go, and I'd include Austin Jackson, the kid out of USC, in that group. Interesting, too, as, uh, as we move along here, trying to figure out the, uh, the guarantees for us here, guys. Uh, and we're going to work our way, of course, to uh, still on the offensive. Why don't we talk about running backs here, Dane? Uh, uh, the reality is, I don't think we got any running backs. I don't think we have any tight ends either that uh, can be considered locks for the first round. Uh, it's not a great overall class for tight ends. I mean, there's a couple of guys, but nobody that um, you know, you'd go out on uh, no TJ Hawkinson. We don't have any of those kinds of guys. Noah fan, none of those guys in this draft for the first round. There's going to be a number of guys that are taken, obviously, in day two and three. But to me, Dan, it's the um, it's the running back and tight end. Do not look there for any sort of uh, first round uh, surprises because okay. I don't think it's going to happen. I can't guarantee either of those two positions. Yeah, I wouldn't, you know, if we're talking in the guarantee game, Joe, I would not be going there with these right. positions. For example, by all measures, Cole Kmet out of Notre Dame is the top tight end in this draft, okay? But I look at his prop bet of where he may be drafted. The number they're hanging is 45 and a half, Joe. Yeah, all right, that puts you in the middle of the second round. So would might one team love this guy and think he's their answer? I guess that's possible, but certainly not when we're talking in terms of locks, Joe. You know, for what's interesting to me, you know, they, they also have prop bets. We talked about this um, at the wide receiver position. Like, will they get drafted in the first mm -hmm. round? And the four that we talked about at the wide receiver position are all not on the board because they right. will go in the first round, right? Brandon Ayuk out of uh, Arizona State. Yep. Plus money for yes. Denzel Minzo, 
minus money for yes. So they do think he'll go in the first round. Jalen Rager, the guy I talked about out of TCU, this is a wide receiver, even money. Chenault, um, Higgins, all options at the first round. Then when I look at, I told you Cole Komet's draft proposition was like 45 and a half, mm -hmm. right? In the running back market, Joe, there's a prop bet of will a running back get selected in the first round, you know, and it's kind of even money. So where will a team, will any team get a first round talent? And then the two specific names at the running back position, Joe, that we've heard about is DeAndre Swift out of Georgia and Jonathan Taylor out of Wisconsin. For Swift, yes, he'll go in the first round is minus 130. All right. So, but for Taylor, will he go in the first round? Yes. Is plus 240, Joe. Wow. So to be a big gap, okay? The market is saying Swift will go in the first round. Taylor won't. So it also looks then that, you know, people think that Swift will be the first player, will be the first running back drafted. And then if you go to this other market, Joe, DeAndre Swift to be the first running back selected is only minus 130. So I think that's a very interesting bet. I have heard most people say that Swift is the top running back, the three-down running back. I personally do think he will go in the first round to either a team like Miami or a team like Seattle. But I think it is a safe bet that he's the first running back off the board. You can get that, Joe, at minus 135. Yeah, I uh, don't think it's uh, maybe a surprise in the first, but I, I don't see with as much talent in some of these other positions we're talking about. I be very hard to see a team uh, either choose running back or tight end at that point unless they originally are in the top half of day number two and they just absolutely have to move up to have a guy but i don't know that that makes any sense either like miami right they have three picks in the first round right okay? right so their third of the three is number 26. somebody I might come up and grab that you know them there right. they also don't really have a stud running back right. remember they moved Kenyon drake so after they go maybe different positions at number five overall and number 18 overall maybe they're the type of team that would like one of these top end running backs in the draft mm -hmm. because it's not their only first round pick joe it's their third you know so we've got a couple of uh edge rushers here i think that we can uh can guarantee now again edge rushing is one of these uh, spots here guys that everybody's looking for it and, uh, you know, come Thursday night, as far as the first round goes, uh, the can't-miss lock guarantees of the, uh, of the draft. Obviously, Chase Young uh, is going to go there at, with the number two pick there to the Washington Redskins. Um, and Tevalon Chasen is another guy that, uh, in all likelihood, will be gone by uh, in the top 10 to 15 uh, rounds. There are a lot of teams trying to... Um, jockey for position there, Dane, and trying to get up there and get Chase on. You do have other guys also. And again, when you get to the bottom of the first round, there's going to be a run on guys like, uh, you know, Gross Matos. There's going to be yep. Terrell Lewis, Zach Bond. There's a, a bunch of edge rushers. But when we're talking can't miss guarantee first rounds, there's really only two. And it's led by, of course, uh, you know, uh, Chase Young there, but Chase is another guy, too, that teams have been drooling over, and it would not at all surprise me if uh, somebody comes up and gets him in the top ten. Yeah. Um, you know, on some of these, when we talk about the defensive line, there's also sort of, you know, there's another couple of prospects that some may treat as more of an interior lineman who can who could go outside and be a pass rusher. I'm thinking about Javon Kinlaw out of South Carolina. He's a guy who will go in the first round, Joe, in my opinion. It depends on if you call him more of a defensive lineman or a defensive end. And I kind of agree with you. Yeter Gross Matos, he may be more of a back end of the first round guy. Nice. This is a pass rusher out of Penn State. But Joe has the physical tools, okay? He is a 6'4", 270 kind of prototypical size. So I'd be willing to bet that there's a defensive coordinator out there that's like, this is a freak athlete. This is a good piece of clay to mold into the edge rusher that I like. So, and the prop bet is around the same level for uh, Yatra Gross Matos. It's at 27 and a half. So when you think about a team, maybe like Seattle in the back end right there, maybe like Baltimore in the back end, I think Yatra Gross Matos will hear his name called on Thursday night, Joe. Yeah, and uh, like I said, there's going to be a lot that are going to go, especially at the bottom, but 
when we talk about can't miss guaranteed locks, um, there's a lot, there's more question marks among the, the group that is probably going to go in the bottom half of the early of day two. But um, there are, as you can see, uh, there's some talent on the board here in a lot of different defensive spots as well as offensive spots. We'll talk about some of those defensive linemen, some of the linebackers, and of course the secondary. Some of the can't miss locks guarantees is probably the only time you'll ever get it on this network and on this show talking about locks. But believe it or not, we do have some that you absolutely can take to the bank are going to happen. We'll give you some of those names. We'll keep it going. We'll do it next year on the early. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, welcome back in. Here it is, the early line on the grid. SportsGrid.com. He's Dane Martinez. I'm Jared Airy as we... Uh, continue to uh, push forward here, getting ready for what is going to be one hell of a draft. And uh, as we've been doing, going over some of these uh, position by position, some of the guys that we think are absolute can't miss first round locks. And then you can kind of fill in the gaps uh, with the others. There's a lot of talent in this draft, uh, but there's only a, a certain few in each position that, uh, are just a cut above, and they're going one way or the other. Come hell or high water, they're going to be some of the first guys uh, off the board for teams in their particular uh, positions. And, um, you know, Dave, we mentioned, of course, some of the edge rushers there. And, yep. uh, you know, Chasen and, and Young are going to be guys that absolutely, they're going to be guys, they're going after the quarterback. That's what we're going to do. When you talk about defensive linemen in this draft, again, Marlon Davidson, you've got some guys in this draft that are some big, yep. big bone boys here that, again, are going to, when you get towards that bottom half, 25 through 32, uh, it's always good to start beefing up the line and get yourself some of these guys. But I, I think Derek Brown, like you mentioned, that Auburn is definitely going to be one of those guys that's uh, a can't-miss first-round prospect. We're talking top 10 here. Uh, Kinlaw is another guy that teams have been – screaming about we can't wait to get him on there and there's uh there's about a handful of others uh ross blaylock is one of them gallimore is another one uh but again when we're getting towards the end of the first round it depends on you know what the team feels at that particular point I, because these guys that all the other guys in that position would be tremendous value in round two if they could go ahead and uh and lock them up there so there is going to be uh, an interesting push at the end of first rounds, like we've been telling you about, that some of these teams that if they feel there's a guy that they can go get that they don't want to risk waiting for in the second round, that's right. where a lot of these names that we've been throwing at you are going to come into play. And I think there's two linebackers for sure um, that we can talk about, Dane. Obviously, Isaiah Simmons. Mm -hmm. uh, the question is not if when he's going to go in the uh, in the top yep. of this draft here. Uh, the other one is is the kid Patrick Queen, too. So um, there's a lot of teams that swear this is a guy that they would love to build on, much like Devin White out of LSU last year. Same kind of mold. Teams love this guy. Um, there are about a handful of other guys in the yep. linebacking position um, that have been getting some buzz, but nothing like, obviously, these two guys have been. And there's even some that say, listen, Simmons could play safety if he wanted. Right. Um, so he's kind of all over the board there. But uh, you also got Murray, obviously, yep. Kenneth Murray. But again, bottom half of the first round. I don't know that I would say he's a can't-miss first-rounder. But when we're talking about Simmons and Queen, I think uh, it's safe to say uh, these are two guys that are going to be off the board in the linebacking position. Yeah, um, one last thing on the defensive line, okay? Another mm -hmm. name to note is A.J. Epinesa from Iowa. Yeah, another guy, yep. That's Russia, and I think it's interesting yep. here because you're talking about these back end of the first round, Joe, mm -hmm. and how, you know, this may be a spot that's coveted, right, a position that people will go after. And so there are prop bets, Joe, that impact these mm -hmm. two guys. Um, there's a prop bet about number of 
people from the Big Ten Ooh. that will be selected. And the number I saw recently is five and a half. Okay, and I, I heard our friends Ariel and Jared saying that they couldn't get to five and a half. They could only get to four from the Big Ten. And I pressed Jared on it a little bit. And there are two names that I think would be in the first round that he does not. And it are it, it's these pass rushers, Joe. It's AJ Epinesa and it's Yatur Gross Matos. Yep. Okay, so the idea that these kids could in fact go in the first round, think about there's a lot of different ways to kind of skin a cat, shall we say. Mm -hmm. And so agreeing with what Joe is saying, AJ Epinesa, um, Yatra Gross Matos, those could be guys that help a uh, a Big Ten conference prop bet, along with obviously the Buckeyes that mm -hmm. are going in the top five, more likely. When it comes to linebackers, Joe, I um I see it slightly differently than you. Okay, I believe Simmons is a top tier by himself, going to be a top whatever five, top ten pick. You know, um, whether whether that's Carolina at seven, whether mm -hmm. I think that the Chargers eschew the quarterback position, what have you. Simmons is going very early on. Joe, I sort of believe, though, in what I've seen, what I've scouted, what I um, have read, mm -hmm. Kenneth Murray out of Oklahoma and Patrick Queen out of LSU are very similar players, okay? Mm -hmm. I not draw the distinction that Queen is a cut above Murray. Right. Say, I would actually have Queen and Murray kind of at the same level. I think all three of them do get drafted in the first round. I think Queen and Murray are drafted, you know, picks, call it 18 and beyond. Okay, teams like New Orleans may be intrigued. Teams like Baltimore may be intrigued. And the books seem to treat them as the same, Joe. So, for example, on the will they get drafted in the first round prop bet for Murray, Yes is minus 550. No is plus 350. For Queen, it's the same exact juice, Joe. Same, right. They are both minus 550. They are both plus 350 to no. So these, you know, our friends over at FanDuel at least are treating them both almost with the same kind of uh, buzz. For Murray, the prop bet is picked 21 and a half. For Queen, the prop bet is picked 24 and a half. So when you think about teams that are at that level that may be in the market, yep. the linebacker position, Joe, I think about New Orleans at pick 24. I think about Baltimore at pick 28. And I know it may not be a popular insight, Joe, but I think about New England at pick 23. If they don't go quarterback, whether it's Love or others, this is a team that needs to replace Kyle Van Noy, Jamie Collins, and the like. And Queen or Murray could be viable ads for them at pick 23. Yeah, it's um, and it's interesting, too, because there really is a fair share of both defensive and offensive uh, positions here that uh, that are it, it's probably going to be close to 50 50 believe it or not I think when it's all said and done yep. when we add up all the offensive uh, and defensive players picked there in the first 32 uh, interesting enough and we'll, we'll get to the the cornerbacks here in a couple and I, I do think obviously there are two that are just a cut above and if we're going to slap a guaranteed label in the first round there's two of them there but I, you know, I've tried going with the safety position here. And while I like some of these guys, I, I'd be very hesitant uh, as a safety to go, yeah, this is a guarantee or lock uh, in the first round. Now, we all know Xavier McKinney. A lot of people uh, like him. But again, the, this is a position in the NFL right now that, um, would have some great value in the second round, but not necessarily in the first, especially when you look at the class of cornerbacks that you've got coming out. But I think Xavier McKinney and Jeremy Chin are two guys that uh, if they go, they could go in the first round. They're not making it past the second round, but it's the safety position, just not what it's been in the past here. And uh, while I like them both, I don't think a team is willing to, and they may, but I don't know that a team, uh, given what's going to be on the board and some of these other defensive positions we told you, I'm not sure safety is, uh, is a position we're going to see a player go off the board in the first 32, Dave. I think McKinney will hear his name called on Thursday night, Joe. It, I could, think he, it could, but I wouldn't I, slap with the, the, the yeah, guaranteed thing. So sure, you know, I mean, would I be willing to bet 
Yes, I would. I, you know, but the idea of betting it and guaranteeing it, I get that that's a different level of confidence. Mm -hmm. So sure, um, I personally do believe Xavier McKinney, the safety out of Alabama, will hear his name called. Mm -hmm. You mentioned Jeremy Chin. I'd like to throw out two other names at the safety position, Joe, real mm -hmm. quick. One, and you'll remember this name because his daddy with the same name was a Pro Bowl kind of cornerback safety in the secondary. I'm talking about Antoine Winfield. Mm -hmm. So Antoine Winfield, uh, Antoine Winfield Jr., excuse me, went to Minnesota. Yep. You remember Antoine Winfield was there with the Vikings, so no no kind of surprise that yep. his uh, you know, stayed at home in Minnesota. He seems to be moving up people's draft boards, Joe. Maybe the pedigree, you know, and it's interesting, right? In a year where you don't have the meetings, you don't have the pro day, right? You rely on the tape. And his tape was effing phenomenal, Joe. Yep. The other thing maybe you rely on is genes, right? Mm -hmm. I know that Antoine Winfield Jr., you know, has the DNA, has the upbringing, was around the game. So maybe that's part of it. The other name I will put up there. And, Joe, I'm surprised at you. You should remember this guy because when we interviewed Lorenzo Neal a few times, Joe, mm -hmm. he told us about his nephew that is a safety in this draft, and it's Grant Delpit yep. out of LSU. To me, I'm not going to guarantee his name is called in the first round, but he may be off the board very early as well. Kid out of LSU has all sorts of talent. I'm not going to guarantee it, but I am very intrigued, Joe, specifically about the Kansas City Chiefs at number 32. Mm-hmm. Drafting Delpit. I, that's where I actually have him mocked because you know they need help on the back end. And I truly believe, Joe, that the existence of the Honey Badger, Tyron Matthew there, as a former LSU secondary member who had to kind of get on the straight and narrow in some ways, mm. polish up his game, um, I think he could pay it forward with another LSU secondary member. I wouldn't put the lock on it. But I, I do think McKinney will get his name called. And Delpit and Winfield are other safeties to note their name. They'll at least hear their name on Friday, if not Thursday. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, the problem with a lot of these uh, is how stacked they are at the cornerback position. Yeah, and, I, and there is five or six guys in the cornerback position that uh, I think would go before any one of the safeties did. And then, you're, you know, you got five or six of this five or six of that next thing you know you're running out of 32 picks which is the problem but the cornerback position we know two uh that are absolutely guarantees and it's uh akuda of course and cj henderson out sure. of florida guaranteed to be off the board and then regardless of those two you still got a really nice crop of cornerbacks uh available to come out there uh, yeah. Jalen Johnson uh, coming off of uh, coming off a pretty good medical, they're saying. Trayvon Diggs, Fulton, yep. A.J. Terrell. I mean, you go down the list. The cornerback position is one of those positions I think is – there are going to be a lot of guys probably off the board in the first round. The top two, Akuda and Henderson by far, but if it came down yep. to it, get one of these other guys we just mentioned or go safety, I think you're going to see the run on quarterback before you see the run on safeties here. It's going to be interesting to see how many quarterbacks are off the board for Friday coming off it too, because there is five or six that absolutely could, uh, could benefit and could help teams, certainly at the bottom of the draft. But again, the bottom of the first round in the draft, that's, you know, you can go pick up some beef there and you can go yeah. get yourself some, uh, you know, some talent. Um, I do think the secondary members, a lot of day two and wide receivers and secondary members, I think is, that's all you're going to see on day two. That's interesting, Joe. I, I agree with you when it comes to the safety position. I, however, think the cornerback position is becoming more and more of a premier position mm. in the NFL. So I do think that the cornerback, different from the safety, right. will be kind of a priority of some teams even in the back half of round one on Thursday. You talk about C.J. Henderson out of Florida. He's going, okay? We know about Akuda already. For sure. You mentioned Diggs out of Alabama, you mentioned Fulton out of LSU. There's a couple of others. 
I would also like to draw your attention to another one who I've been hearing over the last few days has started to move up draft boards, and that's A.J. Terrell out of Clemson, Joe, okay? He has been moving up some teams, some buzz about him even being in the teens, maybe a team like Atlanta, right. if they don't trade up to get Henderson, which is what a lot of people are saying. Dang, right. Think about Think about Dallas in that region of the of the first round, losing Byron Jones and others in the secondary. I think about Jacksonville with their second pick at number 20. Yep. Joe, they've lost Jalen Ramsey. They've lost uh, A.J. Bouye, right? Think about Minnesota with two picks in the 20s, Joe. They may be in the cornerback market. Remember, they cut Xavier Rhodes previously, right? And then, honestly... I just I do believe that there's never a such thing as having too many cornerbacks these days. Right. With move to a passing league, right? Your idea of the third slot nickel cornerback is important, Joe. And I think teams will stock up on cornerbacks, including potentially the defending champs, Kansas City at number 32. Mm -hmm. We've seen they be attacked in the pass game. Well, you know, I mentioned Grant Delpit, the yes. safety. I think Kansas City could go in the secondary to close out the first round. Yeah, and and nobody would. It, it's so funny with Kansas City; they're so unique having that last pick because they could either go. Um, it, it could be a vanity kind of pick. They could go Swift. They could go running back uh, there, even though they have Damian Williams. They kind of have the luxury to add another weapon to. You know, they could go secondary. They could go linebacker. I mean, they have. It's essentially, to me, they're getting the best pick of the second round is really what it is. That's how you look at it, right? And it's with the talent and what they need, Kansas City finds himself in a very unique spot uh, to be able to get that best of the rest, um, so to speak. And uh, depending on which direction they want to go, they're going to get a quality or what should have maybe been a first-round talent, though, but uh, just kind of fell that one tier below. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how they kind of sit there. The other thing to me is in the that you start going up from 32, man, which one of these teams is going to, you know, they're all open for business, apparently. That's what we keep hearing, Dane, that, you know, you want to call. So a lot yeah. of people willing to drop down into the second, give them that ability, give teams yeah. that ability to go up in the first round, late in the first round, and go get the player that they want. So I, it's going to be really really fascinating it's also going to be and, and i can't wait because the reports are already coming in and we'll talk about this coming up um the nfl did a uh, a mock draft much like we're going to do a uh, a test run kind of a mock walkthrough of the draft and they got all the way through well cincinnati at the one pick before everything blew up on him so we'll give you the details on that hopefully our mock draft goes a lot smoother than apparently what the NFL did uh, yesterday. So technical glitches, Skype, Zoom, like you name it. We're keeping our fingers crossed. Ours is going to happen today, so wish us luck. But yes, the NFL apparently not going so well. We'll have more on that coming up next here on The Grid. It is the early line on sportsgrid.com. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.